Cloverleaf University presents Leaf Talks, Sports, Meds, and Money, a virtual conference featuring some of the industry's top doctors, activists, and athletes. Episode 2, Get in the Game, Business Opportunities in Cannabis, featuring Rachel Gillette Esquire and Emmanuel Bernal, with your host, Cloverleaf University founder, Chloe Villano. Hello, my name is Chloe Villano with Cloverleaf University, the nation's first approved cannabis and hemp university by the Colorado Department of Higher Education's Private Occupational School Board. And today we're launching our Leaf Talks podcast series, Sports, Meds, and Money, with some of the best doctors, attorneys, and athletes in cannabis to talk about sports medicine, research, uh, cannabis in medicine, and cannabis in education. So we have our second panel now, which is going to be the amazing Rachel Gillette. Let me get my my list. This is how wonderful Rachel is. We have a whole list here. Um, so I won't go over the whole thing, but I've worked with Rachel since 2010. Um, on the business side, she has been an incredible force um, for setting up businesses, um, getting people through tax audits, um, expanding businesses all over the United States, um, licensing, mergers and acquisitions. And I have a huge amount of respect for you, Rachel. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. That was an amazing panel that I just got to listen in on. I know. I'm so glad we had some technical difficulties. So I apologize uh, for, uh, for us starting a little bit later today, but I guess we're going to have to just go later. No, I appreciated it. It was great. Good. And then we also have a dear friend of mine who I actually went to the same elementary school with, but didn't know him back then, Emmanuel Bernal, who has been in the industry since 2009 and has built a vertically integrated business called Wolfpack and a huge brand that's expanded um, to multiple states, countries. And Emmanuel, you have um, just done such an incredible job bringing in just innovating, I should say, this space. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Chloe. And so why don't you guys go ahead and uh, just come on, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started, and then we'll go into our questions. Okay. Rachel, ladies first, always. All right, so I, I began practicing in the cannabis law back in 2010. I started my own practice to focus on representing cannabis businesses. At the time, no law firms wanted to take on um, these new businesses and these new entrepreneurs because um, Colorado was the first state to allow for for-profit uh, medical marijuana licensing at the time. So it was, a, and we didn't really know what the federal government was going to be doing. So there were sort of a lack of service providers at the time. I had a business and tax background and I was really excited um, to serve this new industry. Uh, although I was told by numerous law professors as well as uh, other people that I would potentially lose my law license by representing cannabis businesses. But uh, I'm here now. I joined Greenspoon Martyr. I run my own practice for six years. I joined Greenspoon Martyr four years ago in 2016. And uh, I'm really happy to serve this industry. It's, it's made up of incredible uh, entrepreneurs such as Emmanuel, um, who have so much um, 
good energy and ideas and, and progressiveness, um, all with the backdrop of federal illegality. So these are really brave, brave uh, business people that we're working with. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, Rachel, I just want to tell you, thank you for representing people like us and taking the risk like we did. Um, you know, we always need legal legal guidance from 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 our lawyers. So thank you for that. Um, I've been in the industry since 2009, um, was always wanting to be vertically integrated. You know, we started with medical and it was um, it was a, a, a rough start because we didn't know our future. We were told that we will be, you know, uh, prosecuted and the feds are going to come get us and we're going to get shut down and any little thing that, you know, we did, we, we were really frowned upon. But however, now that cannabis is an essential, we feel a lot better and we have good lawyers on our side. Um, in 2013, I sold my business for what I thought was a lot of money and pivoted back into the business um, in the manufacturing side. Um, but in Colorado, you know, we've been through so many ups and downs where the prices have decreased and they went up. And uh, I decided to jump back into the retail which was in 2018, and that's when we started Wolfpack. Um, Wolfpack is more of a um, a culture brand. You know, we're we're really trying to innovate with bringing other professionals to the industry and having them bring their their skills to the cannabis sector. And that comes with you know people in the music industry, um, designers for merchandise, um, accessories, glass blowers. Um, music is a big one. Celebrities, artists, sports. I mean. Culture is, is a pretty broad, you know, area, but um, we've uh, just really trying to bring other professionals in that have the passion that we do and just keep working with them and just keep trying to innovate and represent for Colorado because we, we win, we've been one of the first ones to really, you know, um, go through everything and, and try to standardize our, our industry. And, and, you know, the results of that is a mature market. Um, and it's going really well for us in Colorado, but now we've been expanding into other states, looking at other countries as well. And, and, and that's, that's my background for now. It's incredible. Thanks. I just want to mention too, that my much younger associates all follow the Wolfpack on social media. So <laughs> yeah. you've certainly made yeah. an impact. That's not yeah. my direction either. That's all on their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're really trying to, um, you know, really include news now into it. We started doing stories and I have somebody really amazing that um, is helping me. We have a marketing team now. So it's really, we're, we're, we're showing everything that we're doing because the people need to know we want to give out information, you know, the good and the bad and what to do um, on the legal end. You know, we wanted to kind of share some stuff that Jared Polis did, you know, with like um, expunging all of the um, uh, possession underneath an ounce, you know, just kind of just keep showing a little bit of everything. We're really making a schedule of, of every day, what type of content to put out and really trying to dial that in. And um, I'm really enjoying doing that um, and I'm doing it with passion and, and yeah, let's just tell them, keep following us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. So Rachel, I kind of want to go straight into the COVID conversation with you and you too, Emmanuel. Um, you know, cannabis is deemed essential. Let's talk about investments. Let's talk about business. I mean, th this of course is sports, meds, and money. So we're talking about um, big time athletes and also even celebrities and people who are coming in that have these this money that kind of want to get into this industry. And where do you see these opportunities from a legal perspective? Sure. I mean, the the exciting thing about the cannabis industry, as you've mentioned, and so as Emmanuel, is that 
it's an essential business in most states. I think Massachusetts shut down their rec market. It's recently reopened again. But I mean, there was a little bit of a pause and sort of a, oh, what's going to happen at first when sort of we'd had the nationwide shutdown. We didn't know what was going to happen with the industry. Thankfully, we have very strong leadership uh, in Colorado that uh, really instantly made cannabis businesses essential. There was a little bit of a scary moment when the city of Denver mayor tried to shut down cannabis businesses at one point, but that only lasted a few hours, thankfully. Um, and what we kind of have seen is maybe a little bit of pause in some of the investment that was going full steam ahead. I think some investors got a little bit cautious, mostly not because of their um, that they were cautious about investing in the cannabis industry, but there were other things that were affecting their ability to invest. Like all their um, other investments. <laughs> right. So I think we saw, we've seen a little bit of a slowdown, but at the same time, you know, during a downtime, during a recession, it's sometimes the best time to open a business or to start a business idea. So, you know, I see a lot of energy in the cannabis industry. We see a lot of people getting into this space, even with COVID. I think now, months later, we've sort of figured out that it's somewhat recession-proof, that people, there's a great demand for cannabis and cannabis products. We've had record sales in Colorado. Um, so there's just a ton of opportunities, and both in you know plant touching, but also these ancillary businesses. And I think Emmanuel would probably say, that his business is part ancillary too, because you're doing branding and all sorts of other stuff. Um, so, you know, as far as athletes, we're seeing a lot of athletes come in. Thankfully, we're seeing um, where I think maybe it was stigmatized a little bit um, in the past for athletes. It, there's more acceptance today. And I think as time goes on, there's more and more acceptance. Um, so there's still tremendous opportunities um, for people in this space, especially in a state like Colorado, where we have sort of a free market economy when it comes to cannabis businesses. Other states are very limited in at least the plant touching side of it, which I think is somewhat problematic. But. Emmanuel, how has your business changed during COVID and have your numbers gone up? I mean, I hear from a lot of people, their numbers are doubling in this industry. What have you seen? Yeah, well, um, when we actually, um, you know, had to um, start the curbside. Um, I actually was on the phone with Rachel probably 24 hours before that started and she was guiding us. Um, she was guiding us and kind of uh, giving me the blueprint of what to do um, with with respect onto the executive order from the mayor. Uh, I'm sorry, from the governor. The governor had it all right. And we were activated within 24 hours because of her guidance. So thank you for that. We were part of history we were literally selling cannabis outside of a store. We were on first and federal selling weed on the corner, which was a little bit weird. However, we don't have time to really, you know, have our feelings. We have to move and we had to provide and, and start selling. We had an ATM outside bolted to the concrete, you know, and really just selling and trying to figure out if we're, what we were doing was correct. So I was probably bugging her so much that day because I didn't want to get arrested. But um, it was it was uh, it was definitely emotional because our mayor did come out on the news. Everybody was watching the news in the store and they said that we were going to have to shut down. However, I knew deep down inside that what Rachel had told me was that um, the governor had different orders. So I was like, he's wrong. There's just I think there was a, a miscommunication there.
you know, so we kept going. We sold about, you know, for about a week or two outside, you know, just have security guard right next to us and coming in and out from the dispensaries, selling weed outside on the curve. Um, so that was a big piece of history for all of us, you know, that were, were involved in those times. And, uh, you know, we've really learned to pivot and respect the rules and start the six foot distance, put up the plexiglass, have the, 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 uh, the temperature checking before you come in, everybody wearing gloves, all the employees getting tested for COVID, you know, every, you know, probably once a month, really practicing and trying to set the standard for our people and making the blueprint for everybody else that's watching, you know, really spraying the dispensary with, um, um, pharmaceutical cleaning materials. And, and it's been good because of that. And we, uh, instead of um, downsizing in marketing, we actually upped it by a hundred percent. Our marketing budget went up and the results of that was our sales were probably 150 to 200% higher than usual. So we were getting a lot of different market share from people that were kind of scared and moving around, but um, we had good guidance. You know, we had good people, advisors on our side, um, I think it's really been the case of making lemonade out of lemons. You know, we're, we're, we're not happy that COVID is here. However, it's been a, a blessing in disguise for us because now we're really trying to be clean and take it to the next level with marketing and really getting the word out and showing that we are selling clean cannabis. Everybody in the dispensary is clean as well. We're getting tested X amount of times. Um, it's brought a lot of attention to us from athletes as well. We started working with um, a lot of UFC fighters now, you know, and, and it's been it's been like a domino effect. You know, we started working with one of the, the gyms in, in Colorado that train all the UFC fighters. It's called Factory X. And, um, you know, we started doing stories on them and now they're being more open. Now we're having um, football players come in, you know, basketball players. We're seeing everything, you know, but there's a lot of professionals coming into to, to the stores now that before they were really scared. You know, so I think Colorado has done a good job with allowing cannabis for for the professionals, you know, the athletes um, and, you know, we're, they're allowing us to record them now on, 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 on film. You know, if you guys want to see any stories, we've done a couple um, on the UFC fighters and we have some of the other athletes, too, that we have recorded with them, but they haven't told us to go and, and, and let it out yet. But we are recording and trying to really educate um, ourselves and, and our audience. And you know, Manuel, I've noticed every time I go by Wolfpack that there's like now security on your roof and there's a line all the way around the block. So really you're probably the most annoying guy on that whole block because your business is just popping and people are standing in lines and um, you know, their business is probably a little bit down. So it's, it is a blessing. Yeah, you know, it really, really is. I, I was gonna say what's really interesting too is we kind of fast tracked online ordering because we've we've had regulation now in Colorado for 10 years and I know we've been begging for the ability to do online sales we've never been able to do that and with the COVID we're now are uh, these businesses are able to do online sales and that's so much more convenient for your your Instagram. clients and your your customers um and I can't wait to see when delivery really starts speeding up too. We've got to get local jurisdictions to pass ordinances allowing for delivery to happen. But just imagine what's going to happen and how convenient it's going to be for customers of Wolfpack to be able to have delivery direct to their house. It's going to be great. And that's one of the benefits of COVID is we now have the ability to do online ordering. And I'm hoping 
that that will stay in place because businesses like Emanuel's have proven that it actually can be safely done. Um, and it's not a big deal. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, we literally have a, a security guard in the front of the line, in the back of the line, and another one inside, making sure that people respect the the mask rule and the and the distance rule. And there, it gets complicated. You know, we've had a lot of troubles too. It hasn't been easy. You know, we have people that complain. Why do I have to wear a mask? Why do I'm, I'm they're my friends? Why can't I stand at the register next to them? So literally, we had to escort people. We've had the cops come. I mean, we've had it all. You know, and it's not easy. You just have to be really involved. And that's what I tell other people that want to get into the industry. You have to be involved. You have to be hands-on. It's not just here's uh, X amount of million dollars and go for it. No, it's not like that. And other companies that have done that, I mean, they're failing. So it, it's really taught us to really be involved. I've drove by a lot of other stores and I don't see the lines that you have outside your store. And people have asked me, what do they do different? And I said, the owner is involved in the store. And you can really see when the owner has a presence there, I think. Thank you. Yeah. So um, let's talk about I'm looking at some of these questions here. Um, what are different places in the space that some of these athletes can get into? Um, well, I mean, I, I would say there's a ton of different opportunities. So obviously there's there's the plant touching aspect. But remember, the cannabis industry is huge and uh, there are so many different types of businesses that have been created as a result of this industry <laughs> um, that has developed over a relatively very short period of time. I mean, we see a lot of athletes, I think, getting involved in sort of branding opportunities, um, you know, developing their own brands of somehow cannabis affiliated products. Um, definitely ancillary serve you know services that are are meant or directed to the cannabis consumer or the cannabis business right we see a lot of of those types of opportunities um plant touching is just one aspect of it owning directly a license and selling and and uh cultivating or manufacturing cannabis is one part of it but the industry is huge and i actually think the ancillary part of the industry is even probably bigger than the industry itself mm -hmm. um but definitely a, a lot of opportunities out there products and services for the cannabis industry or cannabis consumer you know personally i think it's sometimes better for an athlete to get involved with like a brand like manuals or like a wolf pack or something because i mean you're not going to see them all day sitting at their dispensary working going in making sure your entire team's working although what they do have is a really good team around them to put these type of deals together um and i've noticed that so um you know emmanuel you were talking to me a little bit about um you know your spanish and you know you using your minority using it for the culture and i know you've kind of expanded out into mexico i mean i think that that's huge because when we look at something like football or we look at sports we see a lot of minorities right and they have such a huge opportunity right now to really shine especially in this space so tell us a little bit about opportunities you see with using culture and and even you know the fame that they really have to be able to come in and make a really big mark yeah i think um i think it's all educational everybody's following these athletes they have millions of followers on their social media that's really the way to get word out nowadays you know um 
it's all changing digital, especially after what has been going on with COVID. Everyone has their phone attached to them like like no other. So what with my experience, um, I think branding is huge for them to be um, a true smoker and really understand. Most of them do smoke and they've been smoking for years. They just really are not open about it because they could be um, losing different contracts that they've had in the past. Um, but I think being the brand, being the face of of um, of certain products that they're passionate about, I think is important. Um, there's been other types of athletes. I mean, we've even had um, luchadores, which is wrestlers from Mexico, come in and they want to get involved. You know, we have soccer players that want to get involved. You know, that's more in, in South America and Colombia because that's the the, the major sport over there. But um, it's really big because um, they just have the following. The people follow them like they're celebrities. At the end of the day, everybody's wanting to see what the celebrity is doing. Whatever they're doing is cool. So they, I think it's their job to educate um, without putting in, in danger their career. So that's where I think Colorado and different, um, different leagues like, you know, the baseball league stopped testing. You know, the basketball league also is letting, letting, you, letting you smoke. They're not testing anymore. You know, so there's different types of um, – of professional athletes that are getting involved that can, but there's still a lot in the closet. There, there's a lot of them in the closet and, and other professionals, not just athletes. Like, um, you know, we, we serve some judges, you know, even there's some policemen that, that um, smoke. So I think the way to really um, use their, their celebrity status is by educating. Look at Michael Phelps, you know, he's a pro, he's a champion that smokes cannabis. So it's a good, we're trying to really, break the um the the stoner the slow stoner you know we don't want to have that that image anymore it's our job you know as as uh, professionals to really try to break that and i think the athletes are a big piece to it so and that i i just want to mention too it's just such a step in the right direction for these leagues to stop testing or or you know, saying that cannabis is bad. We just, you just had that wonderful panel with those doctors who are all talking about the health benefits of cannabis and how unique and special it is. And I mean, these athletes put their bodies on the line every single day mm -hmm. and to have them be able to utilize cannabis as opposed to other types of things that would be much more harmful, I think is, is really, um, good. That's a good step in the right direction, and it's been a long time coming. And we want to see more leagues start start doing that as well, because we we all know that cannabis um, is safe relatively to a lot of prescription medications, um, and we we all know that it it can help you with pain and things other things. Um, so it's it's high time, so to speak, that uh, athletes should be able to use it if they need to use it medicinally too. Um, so I think that's that's really exciting. You know, it's so funny though because as I look back, you know, and I'm actually the consultant that introduced Al to CBD and kind of got his group into the industry. Well, got his group into the industry. And I used to get eaten for breakfast with his financial advisor every time I'd sit down with this guy. This guy was a little bit older and I would say, you know, I this is the plan. This is what he should do. He should do this, this, this. This is how you blow up a cannabis business, right? And say, he shouldn't do that. And he goes, because I said, well, wh what's the what's wrong with him saying he's, he's for this plant medically? I mean, wh what's wrong with that? And he told me, he said, because 
if someone saw him smoking five years ago and knew that it wasn't medically or he wasn't injured or saw him smoking with friends drunk and you know on the or whatever it is then somebody could come back and say it's not medical he believes in recreational he isn't who he says he is so if he's going to come out he needs to come out and he needs to say that he supports cannabis and he needs to stand for it and he's not there yet and every time i would talk to this guy i would realize he was right you know he really knew what he was talking about and on the other end you know i think back then which is 10 years ago thinking that these athletes would sell more cannabis because of who they were that's really simply not I don't think how it works. I mean, I've never gone into Willie Nelson's dispensary because it's Willie Nelson. I go where the weed is good, where the reputation is good. So I really don't think that you have to be like automatically famous or that you can be famous and sell, I guess I should say shitty weed. I mean, it has to be a good product. It still has to be a well-run business in order for celebrities to make it. And I think that's a point we really have to push out there is that you can't just put your name on something and turn it to gold. You really have to have a product. Yeah. You're going to have the reputation to sell, right? Right. Definitely yeah. don't hitch your wagon to a falling star. Right. <laughs> Do you guys know anything about Mike Tyson's brand? That, that's a good example. I mean, I know he's building a huge... <laughs> been for a while but i haven't really seen his actual product yeah i think he's uh he has a lot of he's a lot he has a big display in uh planet 13 in vegas i know he has some stuff going on in uh california but maybe he might come to denver you never know a lot of people are starting to look at these mature markets now like colorado you know so i have a feeling i mean every day we're seeing more and more rachel i know you probably see more brands trying to get into colorado that are coming from california or other markets because we're so mature and and you know coming from california it's these other brands they're in a there's two thousand brands out there you know so it's not that easy and the sales sales are there but um people do are they're really looking at colorado now um because we are mature um so we're seeing a lot of types of different brands come into Colorado, including celebrities and uh, athletes. Yes. Yeah. And you can pick, I mean, as a, a brand ambassador or somebody that wants to get a brand in, yeah. a, in a state like Colorado, we have the best of the best. And that's very different. And that's because we have competition in this marketplace. And I want people to understand that because when you look at a state like Florida, there is no motivation when you have, you know, 20 licenses in the entire state and they control you know, one of them controls half the marketplace. There's no competition to make sure that that product gets better or the best. And in Colorado, we have some of the best producers of cannabis, um, probably in the world. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. And and we have like a legitimate industry here. I mean, it is it, it's strictly regulated. We have probably the most um, uh, regulations of any other state. Other states should really look at what we're doing because we have a strong marketplace. We collect a lot of taxes on this product and uh, we have some really good business people here that are in this space. Very sophisticated, talented business people. Um, and it is a mature market and I feel like that should be very attractive to people like celebrities and athletes that have that want to be affiliated with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So we almost have to wrap up here as we are a little bit behind, but um, let's discuss real quick social equity. Um, you know, 
there's a lot of talk about social equity to ensure that there are opportunities doing enough for minorities and who have been disproportionately affected by the drug war. And we're looking at this whole sports, um, basketball and, and football and this Black Lives Matter movement, which has been so huge um, in the, the strive for equality, right? Um, how is that? Um, I would love for both of you to touch on that, but um, like, what do you, what do you see those type of opportunities being available for not only athletes but other minorities who might be trying to get into this industry and be able to give back? Well, this is where I think a lot of states have failed, and I, I would I would include Colorado in that because we're we now just started with social equity. We're gonna we're going to go forward with that. It's great. The governor signed it. We focused on that very recently. But when we started, we were just thinking about how can we not get arrested? <laughs> um, and so we weren't focused on really fixing the right, the, the wrongs of the drug war and the fact that it's been, the drug laws have been disproportionately uh, applied to uh, minorities and poor people, um, unfortunately. And the drug war is a complete failure. But states, other states that are doing these sort of, um, merit-based application systems really leave a lot of people behind. Um, you can't, social equity in my mind, can't just be like, we're gonna award a few licenses to a few people who happen to be minorities or have a criminal background or have been affected by the drug war. It really has to be more broad than that. It has to be taking some of the tax revenue that we've, we, we get from from the sale of cannabis and really reinvesting it into communities um, that have been affected by the drug war. Um, that is part of it. I think we haven't really figured out social equity quite right. Yes, I wanna give um, people opportunities in this industry, but it, it's gotta go a little bit further in my mind than that. And I think states could really work on that and merit-based uh, uh, reg regulatory schemes D doesn't do it. That just creates monopolies or opportunities for a few, not the many. Mm -hmm. I agree with I agree with her because um, I've actually spoken at an event for the city of Los Angeles for social equity, and this was about maybe two years ago. People that um, that were in the room is all minority, and they're really on uh, operating in the black market. You know, trying to convert. They have the, app the applications ready. But there was a lot of abuse from from the investors trying to come in and do these backdoor deals. And I'm going to give you I'm going to um, give you what um, the law is. But once this is over, I'm going to give you 10 grand and, and we're done. You know, so I think there's a lot of abuse there. And there's a lot of um, I've, I've seen a lot of weird things going on in, in Los Angeles. So it, it's, it's really a tough issue. And I think um, it, it's going to be a lot of hold hand process because it, the reality is we're people that the applicants, they really don't have experience with handling a lot of money. It's not easy. These businesses aren't easy and it's very investment um, stressful. You know, you have to invest a lot of money and the investors really want to take advantage. That's what I've seen on the social equity applicant. So I think it's going to be a long process. We need the right person guiding it. That is going to really hold hand. It's going to have to be a hold hand process. And, and um, I would, I would love to be involved with anything like that. Um, and I've looked at the laws, but, it's it's I don't I haven't seen anything that has impressed me. We need somebody that really steps up for the applicants. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you both so much. Um, Wolfpack Cannabis has some of the best cannabis in the entire state of Colorado. Thank it's you.
here. This is where burner shops. This is where all the celebrities go. So please go visit wolfpack.com. Is that what it is, wolfpack.com? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And follow our Instagram, too. And then, Rachel, um, you know, any people who are watching now that want to get into the industry, um, you would just be very lucky if you got got in her office. She would be the one that would take you all the way. So um, I appreciate you both for being here today. And uh, we'll definitely do some follow-up to this and, and talk more. Thank you, Thank Chloe. You so much, Thank Chloe. you, Rachel. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Okay. Bye. This has been Leaf Talks. Sports, Meds, and Money. Brought to you by Cloverleaf University. Hosted and produced by Chloe Villano. Associate Producer, Bobby Black. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Uplifting Health and Wellness, Wolfpack Cannabis, Bogart, Villano's, the Cannabis Business Awards, and the Cannabis Business Association. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit us online at cloverleafuniversity.com and leaftalks.com. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time for another episode of Leaf Talks.